2: From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. Coming up on Forum, writer Richard Powers joins us. The Pulitzer Prize winning author of The Overstory has a new novel titled Bewilderment. It tells the story of a widowed dad who connects to his brilliant and volatile young son through their shared love of the cosmos as he fights the pressure to medicate him. First, though, we'll check in on the status of California's giant sequoias and learn how the world's largest tree, General Sherman, Managed to escape the ravages of the KNP complex fire. That's all next on Forum. Join us. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Officials say the ancient sequoia, General Sherman, the world's largest tree, has survived the KNP complex fire as it moved through, as have the four guardsmen, beloved trees of the southern Sierra Nevada. But other fires continue to threaten some giant sequoias. You can share your questions and the impact that sequoias have had on you by calling 866 733 6786. Again, 866 733 6786. Or post your thoughts on Twitter or Facebook at KQED Forum. Email us forum. At org, Joining me now is NPR climate change correspondent Lauren Summer. Hey, Lauren. Hi, thanks. Well, you know, we saw images of the trees being wrapped in these aluminum blankets. Can you tell us how crews were able to protect California's oldest and biggest sequoias as the KNP complex fire passed through?
1: Yeah, it was a pretty striking image, right? You kind of saw this foil looking thing <laughs> around the base of these massive trees. Yes. Um, that's really kind of a band-aid, if you think about it. Um, it's an important protective measure, but really what that's doing is preventing the cat faces, so these big fire scars that some trees have from catching. Because sequoias themselves are incredibly fire adapted. They have this thick bark. It's like armor. They're used to fires. They're used to low-grade fires, so that's really to prevent you know, these little fire scars from catching. Um, but The bigger concern is not having these fires be extreme, high-intensity fires like we've seen in recent years, because that's what can reach the treetops. That reaches the crown of the trees, and when you have all the green leaves on a sequoia die, the whole tree dies.
2: So then the foil clearly was not the only tool that crews were using to protect the ancient sequoias. What else were they doing?
1: Yeah, I mean, what's been really interesting to see um, is what's gone on the giant forest grove of Sequoia National Park, which is where that General Sherman tree is. It's where the four largest sequoias in the world are. Um, The National Park Service has been really proactive over the last two decades doing prescribed burns in those groves. That means they're setting these low grade fires kind of in the cooler times of years to clear out a lot of kind of the brush and overgrown vegetation on the forest floor that's the stuff that has kind of built up in so many forests around California that fuels these really extreme fires that we've seen. And so it's kind of kind of interesting to see that giant forest grove has been doing very well is what the fire experts are saying. You know, there has been fire that's gone through in the sequoias, but it's been lower grade so far. Um, at least that's what the early thought is and it's because, you know, the the forest or the park service has been very proactive in kind of preparing for this exact scenario.
2: At the same time, it sounds like the Windy Fire, which is south of the KNP Fire, has moved near the Trail of 100 Giants, and that at least one known as the Bench Tree was significantly damaged. And that really is incredible to hear because, as you were saying, Lauren, these trees are so fire adapted. Can you also just remind us how much they rely on fire? generally to reproduce and and help us put in context for us for just how long they've been dealing with fires
1: yeah it's it's a they fire is what their life cycle hinges on because you know they're as I said they've got this thick bark to protect them if you look at a sequoia you know it towers over the rest of the forest and there's no low branches that might catch from other trees Um, and then the only time that it's that it's cones really open is when a fire happens it's that heat pulse that opens them up it dries them out and then you get this shower of seeds that hits the forest floor and the forest floor has been cleared right a fire just came through so it gives these sequoia seedlings a chance. So they need fire. They absolutely need low-grade fires. What we saw last year, which was really striking, was the Castle Fire. It swept through Sierra um, National Forest, at really high intensity. And we saw what's likely upward of more than 10,000 giant sequoias die in that fire. And I was out there this summer actually with some scientists from UC Berkeley that were surveying the damage. And it it was unprecedented for them. They had never ever seen these old growth trees die in such high numbers.
2: Yes, you tweeted this really heart wrenching tweet from one of the scientists who was surveying the castle fires damage with you, who said, I couldn't help it. I don't cry often. But I cried. Can you talk about the importance of the tree of these trees and and the wonder they seem to inspire?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously cover a lot of very heavy stuff as a climate change reporter, and (laughs) I I was, the amount of grief that people were feeling in this story was really just so striking. People that have studied sequoias their entire lives and have never seen these massive trees die like this um, because they've lived... 2000, 3000 years, they've seen dozens and dozens of fires over their lifetimes. And then for one fire to come through and knock out almost 10,000 of them, it just, it was a moment, I think that was a real wake up call for a lot of people that maybe we think of climate change or these ecological changes as being kind of slow and gradual, and they set the stage for these extreme abrupt changes in ecosystems. So, you know, as much as this fire, the KMP complex is, is, is key to be focusing on, I think a really important story is just what scientists are looking at across the entire Sequoia range right now, which is, can we prepare these groves for the future fires that we know are coming that might be extreme um, by doing more prescribed burns, by preparing the landscape so that the fires don't come through super intense, that they come through at these low-grade fires that the Sequoias need. And and that's uh, the question is out about whether we can do this fast enough to kind of prepare for these extreme fires that are coming.
2: Yes, as you allude to, it was really jarring to read that where they expected thousands of seedlings after a fire came through, they saw like dozens or even a dozen. Um, let me go to caller Peter in Berkeley. Hi, Peter.
0: Hi, uh, thanks for the topic. i uh, just wanted to say I'm calling from uh, Redwood Gardens in Berkeley, <laughs> which is uh, right adjacent to the uh, Clark Kerr campus of UC Berkeley. And, um, you know, the Grey Panthers uh, had this foresight to create this place, and it really does have redwoods, and it's a wonderful privilege to be here. So I, my point is that I would like to, uh, you know, encourage everybody to enjoy and honor the symbolism of longevity Uh, of the Redwoods and the human longevity that we need also to honor. I think when we honor our Redwoods, we honor our elders in society. And there is a value to experience. And there's some things that you gain from experience that you just can't get any other way. So let's celebrate that. And Thanks for all those who saved the Redwoods.
2: Well, I really appreciate that sentiment. I don't know, Lauren, if you have a Quick reaction to Peter's point here in his reminder.
1: No, I mean, I think, you know, it's important to remember that, you know, obviously redwoods, right, they stretch down the coast. Um, sequoias really only grow in these small, isolated pockets in the Sierra Nevada and these kind of little regions that are just right for them in terms of temperature and, and rain and everything. So it's, it's kind of striking to see when we see a grove being hit by fire and high-intensity fire, you really are potentially losing a lot of the population. You know, the estimate was the Castle Fire might be as much as 14 percent of trees killed, of the entire sequoia population in the world. So um, it's, I think the kind of idea of these special trees, you know, they really are unique in these tiny little patches um, that really are vulnerable at this point.
2: You were talking about how. Um... The nature of fires have changed so much, and, and as you were saying, sequoias have survived for thousands of years of fires. Can you just talk a little bit about the different conditions of these fires from former fires, and whether or not is the jury still out on whether or not this new breed of hotter, faster fires um, will be something that sequoias that will overwhelm the sequoias, or are we is the castle fire really our first clue?
1: Yeah, and it's always important to remember, you know, it's not just climate change. It's not just one thing. It's it's a lot of things coming together at once, because if you think about what set the stage for the Castle Fire, we had that drought in California in 2012, yes. right? Really extreme drought. The sequoias actually handled it. You know, they are very, very tough trees, but it was the trees around the sequoias, the conifers, Th- millions of them died in the southern Sierra Nevada. Um, so that, that drought was a hot drought. We know temperatures are rising. It really hit the trees hard. And now you have a lot of dead trees that are the fuel for these really extreme fires. Um, so you had a forest that was denser than it used to be, right, When the at least when the Sequoias started growing the first thousand years of their lives. Um, you know, there hadn't been a lot of fire in some of these places in decades. And then you had all these fuels, these dead trees just primed to burn. So It really was kind of, it's a cascade of effects, and there are plenty of sequoia groves that are still kind of facing those risks because there hasn't been prescribed fire or other kind of forest treatments in that area.
2: You said there is a hopeful side to this. Um, What are you seeing in terms of response that maybe even the fact that sequoias could be harmed this way is really moving more people into action, not just the ones that we relied on to protect these trees for so long?
1: Yeah, I think you know the the Park Service, the National Forest, other groups are banding together to identify the groves that are most at risk, right? Places where there hasn't been prescribed fire, um, and they're really hoping to roll out prescribed fires and other treatments very quickly over the next year. Or so, they need funding. They need personnel. It's hard to do prescribed burns when conditions are really dry, right? Or that the air is bad. So. It's going to be a tough project. I mean, the other interesting thing is that, um, you know, the seedlings that have sprouted in the past year since the Castle Fire, it's dry, it's hot this year. It's really tough for them to make it. So there are some early discussions very early about, should we be planting sequoias in these places? Should we go in and put in new trees? Obviously, you won't get an old growth tree for a 1000 to 2000 years. And then another interesting question is, like, what will the climate be like when that tree grows up? Is this the right spot for sequoias a thousand years from now?
2: It's incredible that we are contemplating these questions. Well, Lauren Summer, really appreciate having you on and letting us know what progress has been made so far with regard to the sequoias and trying to address the issues that they're facing. I don't know if you have any final thoughts you want to leave us with before we get to the break.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I I think about how we talk about fires a lot. You know, I cover this every year and we tend to think of them as these kind of random disasters that come in and we battle them and then we forget them. And I think the key in California in particular is to kind of be thinking about what led to this and how can we kind of approach these things in the future that's really going to make a difference. Right. I mean, we set the stage. A lot of our actions set the stage for what's happening right now. and, And that's kind of the key to focus on.
2: Lauren Summer, NPR Climate Change Correspondent. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Meena. We've been talking about the ongoing wildfire in Sequoia National Park home to ancient sequoias, the largest trees in the world, and we're keeping an eye on the Windy Fire, which is continuing to threaten giant sequoias in the southern Sierra Nevada below the KNP Complex fire. Stay with us. We'll be talking with writer Richard Powers after this. His previous book is The Overstory, his new book, *Bewilderment*. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim.